0: How's everyone doing this morning? We doing good? Good? Awesome. Awesome. We we um, we were uh, we just got back. Well, I just got back on a few leaders here and about 35 to 40 kids, teenagers from youth camp. We were all up at Lake Geneva in Alexandria. Yes. And all the teenagers who still have a voice left said, yeah. <laughs> the last day, it was a lot of squeaky talkers. I think we probably had five or six leaders and kids that lost their voice. So that's a sign of a good week at camp. So, It was an awesome week. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. One other announcement I wanted to mention um, in a few Sundays on August 29th, the last Sunday in August, we've done this, I think, pretty much every year that we've been able to. um, Our last last Sunday of the summer, kind of, we do a water baptism service. So we're going to have that here at the church. It'll be actually outside the lot right next door, the open lot that we we own that. So that's that's ours. We're turning it into an outdoor service on Sunday the 29th. So we'll still have our same service times, and then it'll be a family service. The kids will be joining us, and most of the service is going to be water baptism. Um, so if you would like to be water baptized, we have a little portable water tank. Um, we'll have a little time of worship, a little devotional. you got to bring a lawn chair if you could, and maybe a, an umbrella because... There's not a ton of shade there. But the best part of that morning is the end of each service, we're going to do a water baptism. So if you have not been water baptized, if maybe you have gotten saved over the last year um, since we've done our last... I guess we didn't do water baptism last year because because of the COVID. Um, so, we're, uh, so we're two years worth of water baptism. So sign up. We would love to have you join us for that. This really is just an, out, uh, an outward expression of what has God has done on the inside. So water baptism, we believe, just signifies our old life is gone, the new life has come in Jesus Christ, and this is a public profession of our faith. So I know we've been talking about that with the kids downstairs, so maybe if you have a kid downstairs, they might come out and say, you know, water baptism, they want to do it, so that would be great. we love kids and teenagers to join us. It's going to be an awesome time, August 29th at our normal service times. And we will be doing, um, the plan is to go to a third, so add a third service this fall. So I think that, yes, three. <laughs> I'm not sure what the whistle means. Like, wow, we're crazy. Uh, I think the earliest service is still going to be, is it going to be a 9 a.m.? We're going to try a 9, a ten fifteen, and an eleven thirty. I think. And we'll see how it goes. If it doesn't go good, we'll make a change, right? That's how we roll around here. That's right. So, uh, but that'll be, we'll we'll give you lots of heads up about that. That's going to be kind of mid-September. We're going to do that, or maybe earlier September. But, all right. We are continuing our series on the book of Exodus. This is actually the last Sunday of Exodus. Aw, it's been 12 weeks in Exodus. You think that 12 weeks is long? Try 40 years in the wilderness and... Uh, that's actually, what we're wrapping up Exodus today. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us online today. Um, this is the final uh, couple chapters of the book of Exodus, how the story, you know, ends in that book. The, you know, we know the journey of the Israelites, to, keep, to bring you up to speed, the journey of the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt, and Moses came and said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Wow, it does seem like a long time ago. We were talking about that. And then the plagues came, and they were delivered through the Red Sea, and then... For a few weeks, we've been talking about what happened on Mount Sinai when Moses got, went up the mountain to meet with God and the, the presence of God in like this big cloud surrounded the mountain. And God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the law, what we read in the book of like Deuteron- Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. A lot of that was just what God was giving to Moses about how to be the people of Israel, how to be God's people. And we know that while Moses was up on the mountain, the people got impatient. They, built the, they crafted the golden calf as an idol to worship. And it all, uh, last week, Christy did such a great do- job talking about the tabernacle. The tabernacle was like basically a tent-like structure that God gave specific instructions for Moses and the Israelites to build. And this would be kind of the center of worship as the people of Israel would move forward in their journey towards the promised land. So God gave specific instructions, and Christy did such a great job last week talking about the local church, how the tabernacle, it was all hands on deck. People gave what they had, people served how they could, it was a team effort to build this house of worship. And so obviously that you know correlates to us as a church, we need people on board, we need you to serve and to give, this is how the local church moves forward. So that's where we left off last week. Now... So we're going to start in like Exodus like 33 through the end of Exodus today. We'll cover a couple of things. So really, the idea of the tabernacle was that this would be where people would go to give offerings, to worship. This would be where they would go to do those things. Now, I want to start out with a verse. This is as Moses is kind of getting ready to come down off the mountain, Mount Sinai. In Exodus 33, verse 3 and 4, and this is the instructions that uh, God gives to Moses, and it says this. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, go to the promised land that I have promised for you. And then God says this, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you along the way. That sounds like a dad, the start of a road trip to the kids. I think I'm going to Uber my way to, to Yellowstone, kids, because... You're gonna dra- I might destroy you along the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. So all of this that Israel has been brought through, Pharaoh and the plagues and the Red Sea, and now they're on the mountain, and they, and they think at the time, they think they're just a few weeks away from entering the promised land. We know in hindsight that it took a lot longer than that. And now all of a sudden, God is saying, I'm not going to go with you. I'll send an angel to go with you but because of your disobedience, I'm worried that I might just destroy you. I'm, the righteousness and holiness of God might just destroy these people. But the people begin to mourn. And then Moses says these words to God in Exodus 33:15. He says these words, which really are kind of the theme of our sermon today. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. God hears the mourning of the people. The people are mourning, and Moses makes this plea to God. God, You have brought us so far. We don't want to go if you're not going with us. We don't want to go if your presence is not with us. We don't want to build this tabernacle and make all these offerings. If it's not with your presence, we don't want any part of it. And so because of the prayers of the people, because of the cry of Moses, this is what happens in Exodus 40, verse 34. This is actually the last few verses of the book of Exodus. That's how you know we're getting close to the end here, right? Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle that Christy talked about last week. So this cloud that was over the mountain, it covered the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they would not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all of their travels. A couple of key things there. I love, how this, I love that this is the end of the book of Exodus. I love that it really culminates in this moment. We're on a journey to the promised land, but God, we need you with us every step of the way. We need your presence here. And God, in his faithfulness, in such a visual way, I think it would be so cool to be there and you have the tabernacle, this tent structure that they had built and designed and set up where the presence of God was visible, like this cloud that had descended on it. That's got to be pretty reassuring, in those moments. I think I in going through difficult seasons in my life it sure would be great if it was like, oh, there's the cloud of God. There's the God cloud. We know that God is with us cuz look, there he is. And then at night, a fire from within the cloud. That's pretty awesome. That would be great. And it goes on to say, and this was not, you know, they weren't in the promised land. So really this tabernacle, this tent of meeting that they built was designed to be, you know, torn down and packed up and let's carry it to the next spot. And whenever the cloud would lift, they would say, well, it's time to go. That would also be pretty handy, right? A visible, you know, cloud, the God cloud moves and we're like, well, let's go over here because this is where God is going. How many of you think that would be pretty sweet? If you're looking for the direction of God, like there it is, let's go right? Oh, it stopped. We're going to stay. And it's also, it, anybody ever been a part, well, we were kind of a portable church, even though we're, we were meeting at the Methodist church just down the road. Anyone been a part of a legit portable church where it is, you know, the Sunday morning, the trailer pulls up, the middle of February, all the gear is ice cold. You can't turn on the sound system for like an hour until it thaws out. You start playing the instruments and they're like frozen and the... The lock is always frozen solid on a February morning in Minnesota. Those were, those were good days, right? That's kind of what Israel is doing here. On a, on a, they're, they're a portable church. So the idea is God is going to lead them to the promised land. They're going to bring the tent, the tabernacle with them. And whenever the glory of God, the cloud of God moves, they're going to follow. And I love that the last words of Exodus were God answering the prayers of the people who said, We need your presence. If your presence isn't with us, we don't want to go. If your presence isn't with us, we don't want any part of it. I think this needs to be the cry of our lives, the cry of our hearts, for our families, for our church. God, if your presence isn't there, we don't want any part of it, right? If your presence isn't there, we don't want to go. We need you. We need to be close to your presence. It's about the presence of God. Even, God, if it seems like a good idea, and this could be describing some of your lives today, Heading down a path where you're like, it seems like a prosperous thing, a great idea, a a huge victory, a total win. Our cry needs to be, but God, if it's not you, if you're not in it, if your presence isn't going with us, we don't want any part of it, right? We need your presence. And on the flip side, if it's a big risk or a step of faith or a really difficult season that you're walking into or something challenging something invisible that's going to get no recognition and nobody's going to recognize how you are serving. And all these things or maybe something that other people are going to question. You have a a God dream in your heart that you know you're going to move forward in and you know other people are going to call it into question. All those things go by the wayside if we say, but God, if you're in it, if your presence is there, amen, if your presence is there, we'll go. We're in. We're all in. I want this to be the cry of our church, the years to come. God, whatever you want for us, if your presence is there, we're in, right? This is the cry of our church. This needs to be the cry of our families. We were up at camp this week, um, and actually my voice is feeling like it was going. I was up there as the camp pastor, so I wasn't the preacher. People asked me all week, like, what do you What do you do as the camp pastor? And I said, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I led the pre-service prayer times in the evening, and then my role was kind of during the altar times in the evening services just to kind of be the pastor there in case anything went a little squirrely, or thing kids needed some encouragement to eventually go to bed, or something like that, you know, some some kids, in case they're like pre- pretending it's a huge God moment, just wait until past curfew so they can sneak out. No, nobody did that, but that was my role. But it was a great, it was a super fun week. It was great to see our young people at Homestead Church grow in their faith. And I, if you had a kid up at Cam, I just got to say, our group of students was awesome. And our leaders that we sent were awesome. It was a challenging week. Um, Brooke Maxwell, um, woo, Brooke, was terrible. All right. Everyone wooed for Brooke before I said anything. She was like the head counselor, so her job was much more difficult than mine. Any issues that came up, she was one of a few different head counselors. I'm just going to say this. This was the week, there's four weeks of youth camp up at Lake Geneva. 800 students there this week, so like well, close to 4,000, maybe like three, three to 4,000 kids over four weeks, teenagers. This was middle school and high school together this week. We had a lot of kids from... Out, uh, you know, outside the city of Minneapolis in rural areas. And then we had a group of students from a couple of churches in the inner city of Minneapolis. So this was a challenging week, just in uh, a culmination of a lot of tension that's been building in our world over the last couple of years. You throw all the teenagers into camp. And there were some challenges. And Brooke did such a great job at just reaching out. And I wanted to say that to say this. Of all the things we're handing down, to our kids, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, what was discouraging to me from all different backgrounds and all different groups of kids was, you can see them starting to pick up some of the biases of mom and dad, and they're bringing those into camp. So th- not our kids, not Homestead kids, but I was I remember commenting to a couple people and saying, well, the biases are, are being handed down to the next generation just fine, because we felt that kind of tension in some of these interactions. Um, some of the counselors from different areas of Minnesota, from the inner city. I loved that this was an opportunity for these young people of all different walks of life just to come together, to rub shoulders with one another, and hopefully through the work of all the leaders, and Brooke especially, who was really diving into the weeds in a lot of these tense situations, hopefully we were able to just say, listen, we're all the same in Christ. We are all one in Jesus Christ. So That was a huge part of our week. It was a challenge. It was rewarding. But on top of all of these things, it was so good to see the youth of Homestead and the youth of Minnesota, in addition to all the fun and all the games and all the good stuff we were doing, to just experience the presence of God in a deep way, to spend time at the altars experiencing the move of God. We had people from our church, young people, teenagers, and we've got a couple of teenagers that, you know, over the last few months have wandered into youth group just because they live in the area they don't have any church background. So some of those camp services, I went up to a few of them. I said, how was that? Have you ever experienced something like that? They're like, "Uh uh-uh. And they had a lot of questions. Um, But it was so fulfilling just to see those moments where these young people are learning what it means to be in the presence of God. Um, You know, there wasn't the, the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. But young people who were saying to me at the end of the altar services, I felt like God was speaking to me. And I went and I was obedient. I went to talk to somebody because God told me to go talk to them, and I think it helped. Just really practical ways that God is speaking to our teenagers. So on top of everything else we're handing down to our kids, I love that it is there's an environment where we're teaching them to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I want us to do that more and more as a, as a church. So all that to say, camp this week, it was a similar, I, I love that it was an experience like the Israelites were experiencing as they We're on the journey to the promised land. We need your presence, God. We need your presence. If there's not your presence there, then everything we're doing is a waste of time. Exodus, the book of Exodus ends with the tabernacle or the tent being constructed, and this housed the presence of God. This was, in the Old Testament, it was, if you want to go where God is, That's him over there. Look for the cloud or the pillar of fire. Go into the tent. Go, you know, they had the Holy of Holies, the area in the middle of the tabernacle where Moses couldn't even go in because the presence of God was so thick and the unrighteous, unholy people can't stand in the presence of God. Once a year, the high priest would be allowed to go in there and make a sacrifice. And the outer courts was where people would go and offer their sacrifices. This is how it worked for generations. They would go, they'd bring the tent, the presence of God would rest there. Even when they got into the Promised Land, even when they started settling the Promised Land and taking over cities and establishing their cities throughout the Promised Land, even when they became a nation and had a king, King Saul, King David, all through the stories of King David, that tent is still there. That's where you go to meet God. And that's the way it was for all those generations until we're going to talk about a next temple or a next tabernacle. In the book of Second Chronicles, King Solomon at the height of Israel's, you know, national prosperity and power, Israel was mighty and prosperous. And Solomon decides, King Solomon, it was Saul and then David and then King Solomon. He decides in the book of Second Chronicles, through the Lord's leading, that he's going to build a temple. And unlike the little portable tent that was, you know, it wasn't very beautiful to look at, even though the presence of God was there. Solomon decided this temple that he's going to build for God is going to be amazing. It's going to be unlike anything anyone's ever seen. The word of Solomon, um, Solomon described it this way, is that our God is greater than all the other gods, so this temple is going to be greater than all the other temples for our God. And in Second Chronicles, you can read about all this, when he built the temple. And this wasn't like a small operation. This was, I think some of the numbers were, if you read, there's like he... he You know, gathered 70,000 men from Israel just to kind of mine the stones that would be built, that would use to build this temple, to go find the precious gems, to find the gold and silver that would be used to make this magnificent structure. And in chapter 5 of 2 Chronicles, the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the tent, in the tabernacle, was brought to the temple. This was a great celebration of worship, signifying God's presence is here. There was more animal sacrifices made on that day and more offerings given that day than ever before. That moment in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, people lining the city, worshiping, because the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into the temple. A triumphant celebration of God and his people. And in chapter 7, Solomon prays this prayer of dedication, dedicating the temple. And then I wanted to read something from chapter 7, right after Solomon is finished praying. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 7, the dedication of the new magnificent temple. It says this, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What a great moment that would be, right? The cloud of the presence of God that had been over the tent now moves and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love Endures forever. I love that in that moment. So, we've seen the journey from ex- the end of Exodus with the tabernacle all through the wilderness and all through the promised land. Now, establishing their center of worship in this great temple, this magnificent temple, unlike anything that had ever been built. But I love that up until that moment when the presence of God came, it was just a building. It was just a building. It was, again, like the cries of the Israelites back in Exodus. God, we need your presence. Without your presence here, this is just a building. I think about that as I was studying this week about this building, our church. We did not have 70,000 men to mine the precious stones to build it out. There was a couple of days where it was me and a couple other people laying tile in the cafe and figuring out how to do it as we went along (laughs) some of those days. Um, But this was a great, I love this building. I love that this is in the center of our community. I love that it's a place that the people of God gather. But without the presence of God here, without the presence of God moving in this place, it's just a building, right? Without the presence of God here, we're just, you know, we have services, we sing songs, we gather together, we, we try to meet needs in our community, but it is about the presence of God as it was for the Israelites coming out of Egypt. So it is with us. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want any part of it. But if your presence is with us, Lord, we will follow, we will obey, we will take great steps because we need and long for your presence. So we're kind of going through a journey of the temples in the Old Testament. So we started with the tabernacle in Exodus, went to the temple that Solomon built, and that temple was the center of worship for many, many generations. That was the place where you would go, meet God. You would go, you would see the glory of God. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies because... God was too righteous and too holy. But that was where you would go to make sacrifices to offer your worship. For generations, that's how it was. But that temple, temple didn't last forever. Many generations, Solomon's temple was destroyed by Babylon. And you can read about this, you know, in the, at the end of Second Chronicles, when Israel was finally led into, well, not led into, but they were conquered by Babylon and sent into exile. God's people sent to Babylon. The city was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Now to the Israelites, seeing the temple destroyed was a sign that that was where God was. And now it's been destroyed, so clearly God has abandoned us. Clearly God is not with us. This was a low point, and that temple was destroyed. And all the valuable things, all the silver and gold and all the you know sacred things that they had in the temple were taken away into Babylon. If you've read the stories in the book of Daniel, there's that story where... The king of Babylon, Belshazzar, throws this big feast um, and then he says, you know what's going to be great is if we go get all the sacred things that were in Israel's temple and they bring all the gold and silver and all the, all the precious things and that's when the hand writes on the wall, that's when the Belshazzar, you know, his fate is sealed in that moment. Well, those were all the things from the temple, Solomon's temple when it was destroyed So this temple was destroyed. Israel was in exile. There was no temple until 70 years later when Israel was allowed to return and rebuild. And a guy named Zerubbabel, say Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, a guy named Zerubbabel builds a new temple. And we can read about this in the book of Ezra. Nehemiah, Ezra, those books are like after exile when Israel is allowed to go back and rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. And this is what it says in Ezra chapter 3 verse 10. This is as they are starting to build the new temple. It says this, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by King David of Israel so many years ago. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love toward Israel endures forever, which is exactly the words they sang when Solomon's temple was dedicated And the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But then you get this. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, Solomon's temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. And it goes on to say that the shouts of joy and the weeping of sorrow could not be distinguished between each other. Now, why are some people... Crying and some people are cheering. Well, the younger people, they don't know Solomon's temple. All they've known is exile in Babylon. So now they're allowed to return and they're building a temple where God's presence is going to be that is a cause for celebration. But the older people, they remember Solomon's temple. This new temple isn't going to be as grand as Solomon's temple. They don't have a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of silver and gold to be found. There's not a lot of people back yet to build this. This is going to be a more modest temple. And for them, because they had seen the glory of the former temple, they were saddened. And they said, this isn't going to be anything like the old one. This isn't going to be anything like what we used to have. The reason they were sad because there was this discouragement in their heart thinking our best days are clearly behind us because that temple was grand and magnificent. And this one's going to be fine, but it is not like it used to be. This is discouragement for those older members of the Israelites thinking our best days are behind us. But then let's read, there's a prophet named Haggai. And he's got a book in the Old Testament. God is speaking through him to the people, to the Israelites who are building this temple. He is speaking to that discouragement. He is speaking to that idea that That because this new temple isn't going to be as grand as our old one, that means our best days are behind us. Now, this is a word, I'm going to read these words from Haggai chapter 2. This is a word for anyone here today who feels discouraged, who feels defeated, who feels like the work is too difficult or work is too insignificant. Anyone who feels today that maybe your best days are in the rearview mirror. God speaks through the prophet Haggai, to the Israelites, and I believe that God speaks through the prophet Haggai for you and me today. And this is what it says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. It says this. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? God is acknowledging their, you know, sadness. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Then verse 6, it says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house With glory, says the Lord Almighty, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house, the one they were building, will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. What great words for a discouraged people. Amen? What great words For a group of people who feel like their best days are behind them or that the work that they are doing is insignificant or is not going to be noticed, A, a group of people that just feel discouraged by failure. And God says, I am with you, so let's get to work. I am with you, so do not fear. Do not fear what lies ahead. The work you are doing is good. Not because the structure is going to be anything magnificent, but because the presence of God. Like the Israelites in Exodus that said, God, we need your presence. Like Solomon in the magnificent temple and said, God, we need your presence. Now these Israelites are hearing from God. My presence will be with you, even here, even after all you have been through. So do not fear. The days ahead are going to be greater than the days behind. The days in this new temple will be greater than Solomon's temple right? Because God is present and God is working and God is moving. That is a word for somebody here today. Where you are moving is going to be greater, not because of anything you're doing that's so awesome, because God's presence is with you. God's spirit is with you. Through any season of defeat and trial, through times when you've messed up, the word of God through the prophet today is, get to work. My presence is with you. There are great days ahead. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear what lies ahead. And then I love that God said about the the temple that was just being started, that he's saying, I'm going to provide what's needed. The gold and the silver that you don't know where it's from, it all belongs to me. All the resources you're going to need to build this temple, it all belongs to me. I will provide If you're wondering if the glory of God is going to be present, I will shake the heavens and bring my glory. God's presence will be there. And what else matters? Amen? What else matters? So you see the theme here. It doesn't matter the circumstance, whether a portable tent tabernacle or a magnificent temple or a new temple that's not going to be anything like the old one. None of those things matter. Whether you're walking through seasons of victory or defeat, you are feeling this burden of shame over your past, or you're going through something that you're not sure how you're going to get through it, none of those things matter when you are in the presence of God, when God's presence is with you. When we were uh, working on this building, I prayed that very scripture over this building a number of times. Those words we just read, and I will shake the heavens and God will bring the people And the silver and gold are mine. We didn't have a lot of silver and gold in our remodel. But the tile and the lumber are mine. The paint is mine. I will provide. And God provided in amazing ways. Even times when we felt like the project had come to a standstill and there was delays and cost increases. And we were thinking, man, how in the world are we going to do this? I prayed these verses that over and over and over again. God, you are building your house. You are the one providing and more than a finished building, my prayer was, God, fill this house with your glory. Fill this house with your presence. May our days as a church, may the glory of this house be greater than anything we've come through as a church. This was my prayer. And then the last words that we read there, and in this place I will grant peace. Well, wow, That is awesome, right? I want this to be a house where people come and that God meets them with peace in the midst of the storm. I love those verses. I prayed those over this church so many times. And here we are in this building. And what makes this place great? It's not my outstanding tile work down in the cafe. If you look behind the counter, you'll say an amen to that. that didn't it quite, didn't quite line up at the end there. I said, Lord, this is your tile. You're, you're doing it. No. Uh, what makes this place great? People are great. All the activities are great. But it is the presence of God. It is the presence of God. So this second temple that Zerubbabel was built building It stood for many generations. It stood all the way up until the time of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So when you read in the Gospels when Jesus was in the temple, it was that temple that Zerubbabel built. It stood for a lot of years. Jesus and the disciples, when he's turning over the tables, it was in this temple. But that temple's not there anymore. Um, In the year 70 A.D., so about 40 years after Jesus was in that temple, the Roman Empire came and destroyed that. It was during a lot of years where there was great persecution for the first century church. And the Roman Empire, who had, who had been in power all through the years of Jesus' ministry, finally had had enough with these first century Christians and unleashed this uh, tragic, devastating persecution on the first century church and destroyed that temple. Um, so there is no temple anymore. If you go to Israel, there's not a, nobody rebuilt that temple. Um, There is no building on the planet anymore that houses the presence of God. And that's good. That's a good thing because, and now the rest of the story. That's okay because that day when Jesus died on the cross, there was a very significant thing happened. Back when the temple was still standing and Jesus was on the cross, when he died, what happened? It says the veil in the temple was torn. So that curtain that was around the holy place where the glory of God was, that veil was torn. That curtain that separated God from the people, that curtain that surrounded the presence of God so that nobody could go in there because it was too powerful and too holy and too righteous. That veil, that curtain was torn, obviously signifying that God's presence wasn't there anymore. We don't need a building. There is no building on the planet that has the holy of holies. This building you come into does not house the presence of God. There is not a building that holds the presence of God. The veil was torn in the holy place. So where is the presence of God? I'm glad you asked. Maybe you were about to ask. Because what happened soon after Jesus died and then he rose and then he ascended is the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and descended on the people. So that God's presence was no longer with the people. God's presence was in the people. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's not a building we go to to experience the presence of God. The presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is in us. That's amazing. God's presence is in you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So we went from the tabernacle, the portable tent church, to Solomon's grand temple, to Zerubbabel's almost, you know, it was pretty good temple, to that veil being torn. Now we are the final temple. We are the final temple that has the presence of God in us, the glory of God in us. God's presence is on the move again, and not in a tabernacle in Exodus, but in us, impacting the world Around us, So I want you to think about that for a minute, where during the Old Testament and the first century church, you'd have to go to a place to experience the presence of God. If you wanted the presence of God, you had to go there, where the cloud, where the God cloud was. But now, instead, because the Holy Spirit is in you, you bring God's presence with you. You bring God's presence with you. So if you think you're just going to work this week and punching in and punching out. You are bringing the presence of God, that cloud of God's glory. You are bringing that with you. Of course, that's going to impact your workplace, right? Students going back to school this year, whether it's a super challenging year for COVID or not, and we're praying that all, you know, I'm not getting into that. uh, But it could be a challenging year. Good and the bad teachers in all the challenges. We've got a few teachers here today. You're not just enduring a school year. You are bringing the presence of God with you. Students, you are bringing God's presence into your college campus, into your high school, into your middle school, elementary school. I see a mom saying that, and that's right. Rachel, you're bringing the presence of God with you, and you might realize that now, or maybe not. Um, this, is the, this is what it means for us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, We impact the world around us by bringing God's presence with you. This is the same power, like that same presence of God that descended on Mount Sinai in the thick cloud that the people couldn't even stand it. That caused Moses' face to like shine like the sun because he had been in the glory of God. That same presence that descended on on Solomon's temple or in Zerubbabel's temple. That same presence is now that same presence that raised Christ from the dead, that power of God is now in you. Is now in you. I think as I talked earlier in this message, we're going to wrap up here in a second. As we talked earlier in this message, I talked about how great it would be to be in that Old Testament tabernacle where we'd say, well, "Where's God?" There he is. How easy that would be, right? Or where where is God's leading us? Well, There goes the cloud. That's where he's leading us. How practically simple that would be. I think if we got to heaven one day, I think my tendency would be to find Moses or to find Solomon or find Zerubbabel or Haggai and and say, what was that like to see the glory of God, like tangible pillar of fire moving? That would have been pretty cool. I think my tendency would be to find guys like that and say, what was that like? And maybe you're like that, too. But I believe in that moment, imagine you're in heaven one day talking to Zerubbabel. And you say, who named you Zerubbabel? And my second, que- my second question is this, what was that like? And he's going to say to you, "He's." they're going to look and say, "Who?" hold the phone here. Sure, the cloud was great. Yeah, the cloud was great, the pillar of fire, and we followed it. They're going to say to you, what was that like to have the presence of God in you? We couldn't even go near the presence of God, and then the Holy Spirit was in you. They're going to come to all of us and say, man, that's awesome, right? Wow, that's awesome. I want you to be challenged today by the presence of God in you and what that means for your life, what that means for your place of work, what that means to walk around not trying to get into the presence of God, but to look and say, God, you are with me, and so I know I will not fear. I know I will not be dismayed by what I've gone through before, but God, your presence goes with me. I will not fear. I will bring the presence of God to impact the world around me. This is the, this is the end of the story of Exodus. We made it through, I think it was 12 weeks we were in Exodus. So here's, the, here's how I want that story to end. The journey of God's people continues. That's you. We carry the presence of God with us. So I want us to be mindful of that and to just impact our world with the glory of God, right? To not be afraid, to not think our best days are behind us, but to say my best days are ahead because the presence of God goes with me, amen? And he is going to use me to impact our world. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence in our lives. And there are so many days, way too many days, that we just take that for granted or we forget all about it. We just think we're going through our days as normal, routine, just getting through the week. I pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts today for the truth that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, first, we don't need to go find your presence We don't need to wonder where you're leading us because you can speak to us. You can guide us. Your voice can communicate with us and we want to follow you. Help us to walk in the knowledge that your presence is with us. And also, Holy Spirit, help us to know that when we go somewhere, when we talk to someone, we are bringing the presence of God with us. Help us to move past this idea that we have to get... Uh, get into church or get people into church to experience God's presence, help us to recognize we are the church. We are the temples. We go and impact our world. We bring the peace of God with us where we go. I pray that we would walk in full confidence of that this week. Help us to grow in the knowledge of your presence. I pray for those who are here who would love to hear your voice of direction and they just don't know how to hear your voice. I pray that you would speak this week. I pray that each of us would take enough time this week just to be still and quiet and pray. And Lord, we know that you're gonna speak to us. We know that you're gonna guide us. And so I pray that you would do that work in each of us. I pray that you would do that right now. Let's just take a minute and allow God to speak. These moments at the end of a sermon is where the Holy Spirit can kind of speak a different application of this this message to everybody here. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to know your presence. We want to go where you lead us. Because If your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't want any part of it. We thank you that you are the never-failing God, that the, the, the words that those Israelites sang every time that the temple was dedicated, you are good and your love endures forever. You are good, you are good. Our best days are ahead because you go before us and you go with us. Seal that in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. amen. Thanks for being here today at Homestead Church. If you'd like someone to pray with you, we're gonna have some prayer team members up front. Otherwise, if you are new, I'd love to meet you after the service. God bless. Have a great day.